Good morning. The Bible reading this morning is Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. The parable of the workers in the vineyard. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. This is so end of the lesson. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we remain standing, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you that you speak to us through your word. We thank you that these scriptures are living and active, and we pray that your Holy Spirit will bring them to bear upon our minds and our hearts, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please do sit down, and please would you turn to Matthew chapter 20, the passage Dorothy read to us, which you'll find on page 1030. 1,030. I think it's true to say that all of us, or most of us anyway, enter into life with enormous potential. All you've got to do is to look at a young child to see their inquisitiveness, their creativity, their sense of joy in life in the small things of life, their constant activity, the way that they deal with things, the way that they are, as I say, creative in the world. We're all born with an extraordinary potential for creativity. The thing is, though, as we go through life, what can happen 
is that is squeezed out of us. Some of it's to do with circumstances beyond our control. Some of it's to do with people and institutions. I was talking to somebody recently who said everybody knows that the education system squeezes the creativity out of students. The person who was talking to me was a teacher. People, circumstances, but also the choices that we make, the unwise choices, the morally questionable choices we make. That can leave a person at a point where they look back over their life and realize that they have squandered the potential that was theirs. And for some people, they reach a point in their life where they look at where they have reached, and it seems they've reached a point of no return. There's too much water passed under the bridge, too many unwise decisions, too many people hurt, too many opportunities squandered. And looking at their life, they may feel depressed, huge sense of regret, a sense of feeling trapped into the position that they have reached because of all that they've done and because of all that's happened to them. And the verdict over their life? I've wasted my life. I've wasted my potential. Those dreams that I once had have not been realized. Those opportunities that came, I didn't take, or I took the wrong road. And so I've ended up where I am now and I can't change things. It's too late to change. This story that we've already looked at this morning that Dorothy read to us from Matthew 20 is an insight into the kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, this new reality that has broken in with the coming of Jesus. And it demonstrates to us how the kingdom works in a completely different way from the way that the world works. It has a particular message for those who feel that they've wasted their life. But it also has a message for those of us who think that our life has gone well. So let's have a look at it. It's the story of a landowner, and he goes to the labor exchange, which is the market in the first century. He goes to the public place in the center of the town early in the morning. And you can imagine it, can't you? The sun has scarcely risen. And there are the keenies. They've already had their double shot of espresso. And there they are, anxious to be hired. I have no doubt, not only are they keen, but they are amongst the most employable people there. They're anxious to get to work. They're anxious to be employed. Maybe some of them have been kicked out of bed by their wives to get there. 
But for whatever reason, they are there. First thing. And the landowner takes them on, hires them, agrees a rate, which is, by the way, a fairly generous rate. But then, at nine o'clock in the morning, he goes back. And he finds some other people there. And so he takes them on. And then later on, at three o'clock in the afternoon, he goes back and he takes some more on. And then finally, at five o'clock in the afternoon, the working day is almost over. Your translation has the last hour. He goes again to the market. And he finds some people there and they've not been hired. No one would take us on, they say. Perhaps because they are the least employable. They were too drunk to get out of bed early in the morning. They're not effective workers. Nobody's wanted to take them on. But there they are. With, I would imagine, no hope whatsoever of being employed. Who's going to want to take somebody on for the day at five o'clock in the afternoon? But this landowner hires them. I doubt he needed the extra labor, but nevertheless, he hired them, took them on. And then at the end of the day comes payment. People were paid on a daily rate, and so the steward goes to settle the accounts with the workers. And the landowner says, I want you to pay the people who came last first. And the people who are paid last, uh, first, who are the last to be employed, get paid exactly the same rate as those who've been working all day. Isn't that extraordinary? Uh, clearly, this man is not a capitalist, is he? He obviously hasn't read Adam Smith. In fact, it doesn't seem like a commercially good proposition at all, does it? Why would you pay exactly the same rate for people who at best have only been able to do an hour's work and were probably the least employable people anyway? Nobody else has taken them on. There's something about this that offends us, isn't there? How does this make sense? Well, what are the lessons from this story? Here's the first one. The blessings of the kingdom of God are not a reward. They're not a reward for longevity. Not even a reward for diligence, persistence, personal achievement. Look at the reaction of those who've been employed early. Why are they being paid the same as us? We've been working all day. We've borne the heat of the day. We were keen. We got out of bed early to be employed, and we have worked for you all day, and these people who come along at the end of the day, you pay them exactly the same as us. Do, do, do you feel that? Because you're supposed to. It's the point of the story. 
See, that's how the world works, isn't it? You put the effort in. You work hard to achieve. And with the wind in the right direction and luck on your side, then you'll do well. Because the way the world works, or at least the way we hope it works, is that people are rewarded for their diligence or their persistence or their talents. And so if you strive hard, then you can achieve. And there is that ridiculous motto that goes around, isn't it? That phrase, that life sentence in the self-help books. Be what you want. Achieve your potential. You can be anything you want. But the kingdom of God doesn't work like that. The blessings of the kingdom are not a reward for persistence, longevity. They're not a reward at all. You know, some people give their lives to Jesus Christ very early on and they, will, they live their lives out and serve him faithfully. They're faithful in their marriages. They're faithful in their service to the church. They live godly lives. They maybe can't even remember a time when their lives weren't committed to Jesus Christ. And some people have great gifts, and God blesses them. They are effective for Christ, and the results are obvious for people to see. There are people who look impressive as Christians. They're in the public eye in one way or another because they are impressive in some way in their gifts or their achievements. And it looks as if God is blessing them because of their gifts or their persistence, their diligence, or even their godliness. This story is a reminder that the blessings of being in the kingdom are not a reward. They're not a reward. That's why the people at the end get paid exactly the same as the people at the beginning. Because you see, it's not a reward. Can't I do what I like with my money? Says the, mass, the landowner. If I want to be generous, can I not be generous? First lesson. The blessings of the kingdom are not a reward. Secondly, the second lesson it's not too late. Those people who turned up and were hanging around the market square at five to five in the afternoon, I doubt very much they expected to be employed. For whatever reason, they overslept, they were too drunk, they were just unemployable, nobody would take them on. It looks as if they're not going to get any money that day because nobody's going to employ them. It's too late for them. 
The message of this passage for those who look at their lives and look at the way that it's turned out and look at the choices that they've made and regret, the moral choices, the lack of wisdom that they've employed, the opportunities that opened up, and if only I'd taken road A rather than road B, if only I'd done this rather than done that, if only, as somebody put it, I'd married that person and not this person. For those people who get to the, to the stage of their life where they feel that they've squandered their life, where the potential has been leached out of their life, they've reached a point of regret a point of no return, this story is a reminder that when it comes to the kingdom, five o'clock's not too late. Five o'clock's not too late. There you are at the five o'clock point in your life and you're hanging around the marketplace. And maybe you know of friends who were taken on at nine o'clock or even three o'clock, but you're there at five o'clock. And that's any sense of hope that you will be employed has evaporated. You're just hanging around with the dregs. And that's how you feel about yourself. This story is an insight into the strange inversion of the kingdom. It does not work the way that the world works. And so right at the end, Jesus reinforces this, doesn't he, in verse 16, where he writes, the last will be first and the first will be last. It looks as if those who were there really early, they're the ones who benefit and are blessed. But the way the kingdom works is not like that. You can be there at five o'clock and be just as blessed as the people who were there at six o'clock in the morning. Preeminence in the kingdom may belong to the least likely. The blessings of the kingdom are available for those who turn up at five o'clock. Here's a message for people who think that for whatever reason, it's too late. Too much has happened. Too many people have been hurt. Too many bad decisions have been made. I'm trapped by my decisions. I'm trapped by my circumstances. I'm trapped by my moral choices, my spiritual choices. The message is it's not too late for the kingdom. And if that's where you are and you think it's five o'clock, this message is for you, isn't it? It's not too late. The blessings of the kingdom are not a reward. It's not too late, even if it's five o'clock. And finally, it's a reminder to us that the kingdom is about God's generosity, not our deserts. It's about God's generosity. The story reveals not a commercially, commercially minded God, but a generous God. Should I not be generous with my money, he says? If I want to give the same rate to those who turn up at five o'clock as those who turn up at six, 
Can I not be generous with my money? Does that make commercial sense? Of course it doesn't. But that's part of the problem. We tend to think that the kingdom of God and the God who rules the kingdom operates on commercial principles. He doesn't. He operates on the, on the, he operates on the principle of ge generosity. And so in this story, all receive. All have prizes, don't they? It's not too late. God is a generous God. He's a generous God to the latecomers, but he's also a generous God to those who were there early as well. See, at the end of chapter 19, and this links with chapter 19, and by the way, can I remind you, we're supposed to read the Bible in order. We need to look at context. What's the context? Peter has said, look, we've left everything to follow you. What about us? And at the end of chapter 19, Jesus says, you will never, never, never be able to outgive God. Never. However much it costs you, however much you lose when you make the decision to start following Jesus Christ, whatever you suffer from that, whatever deprivations you may experience, you will never, ever be able to outgive God. You may lose everything, but you will gain everything. And the everything you gain is far bigger than the everything that you've given up. And chapter 19 ends up with these words. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. There are people who think they've got their life sorted out, and they've got everything But actually, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. What matters is that you follow the, you are part of the kingdom, be a follower of Jesus. And it may look as if you've lost everything and so you're last, but Jesus says, well, actually, maybe you're first. You can never outgive God, whatever the cost of following Christ, even if you lose everything, you will gain everything and the everything of the kingdom of God of God's generosity is far greater than the everything that we lose a generous God so this is a story that reminds us that the blessings of the kingdom are not a reward it reminds us that it's never too late. And it's a reminder that God is a God of generosity. The kingdom is underpinned by generosity, not commercial principles. Let me draw this together and make some observations. Number one, I think this is a story that should teach us humility, shouldn't it? What we experience, whether we're really talented, whether we're really gifted, whether we've been following Christ for decades, or whether we've only just started, whether we're the kind of person who's got our life together and we feel contented by our life or not, 
however it's turned out. If we're in the kingdom, we have experienced God's grace, all of us. None of us is deserving. It should teach us humility. Secondly, it should remind us that unlike those first workers who are distressed that the riffraff are getting as much as they are, when we've understood grace and the humility that comes from that, we should rejoice when the undeserving come into the kingdom and experience the blessings of God. Humility. Rejoice when the least deserving experience God's grace and become part of the kingdom. And thirdly, there's an invitation, isn't there? There's an invitation implicit here. The reason the five o'clockers were employed was because they weren't in the pub but in the marketplace. They were for whatever reason. And I suspect the reasons were mixed. They were in the place where they could be employed. If we want to experience the blessings of the kingdom, we need to respond. We need to be willing to respond to Christ, to hear that call, come and work, <laughs> come and be part of the kingdom. And whether we're there at six o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning, he will take us. But we need to be in the position to respond, the place of response. So the invitation is there. If you're a five o'clocker, are you thinking you've wasted your life? The invitation is there. Come and be part of the kingdom. Come and receive. Because it's for you. It's for whoever you are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God, is a kingdom of grace. That what we receive from you is not about our hard work. It's not a reward for us, but it comes out of your extraordinary generosity. And the fact of the matter is, most of us are close, closer to being five o'clockers than 6 a.m.ers. Because all of us have things in our life where we've made wrong choices, morally indefensible choices, unwise choices, where we've not listened to your wisdom but followed our own hearts and desires. And yet you welcome all of us, whoever we are, Father, please fill us with the joy of knowing what it is to be part of your kingdom that comes out of your generosity. And for those of us who may be feeling that our life has somehow reached a cul-de-sac, 
Father, please help us to understand that with you there is always an invitation to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.